Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we're talking about what is astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we're preaching. You should go first this time. <laughs> um, okay, well, this sometimes when I've been thinking a lot about the way we use the word astonish, and sometimes mm. I don't like it because it has sometimes this element of surprise that I don't think is always accurate. Like what I think we're going for is usually what what I'm awed over, like what I recognize the the holy and the presence of God in and what I want to stop and notice and not take for granted. Um, but rarely is it like, like if I were to say worship was really beautiful on Sunday and I were to say that I was astonished, that would make it seem as though I was surprised, which yes. anyway, but if beautiful was not the ordinary. Correct. Um, but in this particular case, I actually am awed and surprised, hmm. so literally astonished. Um, there's just a, uh, a situation in the church right now that is brewing um, that is going to lead to a conflict. And I'm just noticing that um, normally I'm a very conflict-avoidant person, and it's just really important to me that everybody likes me all the time, which is a really big occupational hazard for a pastor. <laughs> it's not, a little bit. you know, it sounds like, oh, that's just great. You want to love everyone, but wanting everyone to like you is different than wanting to love everyone. So it's really not as cute as it sounds mm. on first pass. Um, and I just, you know, I've been aware of that and I've been trying to notice where wanting someone to like me keeps me from being faithful to them or to Jesus or to someone else who's vulnerable in the community. And um, anyway, a lot of times what wanting everyone to like me shows up as is a, is a huge dread of conflict. Like Mm. it's just awful to have a difficult conversation with anyone because I don't want them to stop liking me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so conflict has always just been like even the hint or the whisper of it on the horizon will just, you know, tie my stomach in knots. Like I can't sleep at night. I'm just really. And I have just been noticingly noticing lately that I am noticing a shift in myself that that's just not always the case. And so right before we were about to record this podcast, I got a phone call that I needed to take and it was a, a friend in the church sort of filling me in on a situation that is going to lead to conflict and going to require me having an uncomfortable conversation with someone I really care about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, potentially that person may or may not choose to stay in the community over it. And, I, and I'm just noticing that I feel... Um, I don't I think normally facing conflict in the fast past would make me think, well, we've done something wrong. Mm. Like something has gone wrong that has made us have to have a difficult conversation. And if we yeah. had just been more loving or more thoughtful or you know more excellent, mm-hmm. then a difficult conversation would have been needed. And I think I've just becoming wiser about seeing that sometimes spiritual growth isn't possible without 
discomfort Ooh, and without uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And so as a pastor, it's not that I ever, ever want to get to the point where I don't care or I'm cavalier about it. And actually, I don't even really want to, I don't ever want to be the kind of pastor who relishes mm. conflict. I don't care what they think of me. Right. I'm just going like, to I just can't truth. wait to go in yeah. there. But, you know, <laughs> I don't want that at all. But I, but I am, along with my dread, starting to feel a sense of like, okay, but this might be necessary for the community, for this person. Um, it might not end up with everybody riding off into the sunset together, but that doesn't mean it won't have been faithful or healthy. Um, and, and I also, in this particular situation, um, think this conflict was probably pretty unavoidable because of our values in yeah. the church, um, because of wanting to welcome people in a, in a way and, you know, welcome people before they're ready or welcome people mm. in, anyway. So I guess I'm also just realizing like, I'm not glad that there's conflict, but I'm glad that we were brave enough to put ourselves in a risky place because wow. that's what our values required of us and are willing to say, well, that's what having these values costs us. Sometimes it costs us difficult, uncomfortable conversations. Mm. Um, so anyway, I'm, I am in this moment astonished at the way that I feel the Holy Spirit is growing me deeper in trusting God and me deeper in finding my enough in who I am because of Jesus and not mm. who I am because everybody likes me at every moment. And um, and I'm grateful because I think sometimes, you know, you get, you know, I'm 44 and I, you sort of feel like I should have this all figured out by now. Boy. And um, yeah. it can become almost embarrassing to say, oh, I'm growing in this or that area. Mm. And just to say, no, I mean, I really am growing. I'm interested in growing in this area. I've been praying about it and God is being really faithful that I'm mm. just able to say like, okay, an uncomfortable conversation is coming okay, that won't be pleasant for me or other people involved. Okay, I can't control what the outcome is. And still, I have a, I have a peace underneath my anxiety that no matter what happens, God will use it for the good of the kingdom. Um, so I don't know, I could be in a totally different place <laughs> in three hours, but I'm just grateful for this moment because I think, yeah. you know, two years ago, that even two years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. And so I'm just grateful and astonished at the evidence of, of my own transformation and growth and just grateful that it's still happening and, um, and just joyful about that. So that's, what's astonishing me. I think that's awesome. One of the things I, I do love about not only this ministry life, but the Christian life in general is, you know, this sense of, Sanctification really is real. Right. Transformation is real. We are being changed. And I love those moments where we can look back and say, oh, you know what? I'm not everything I need to be or want to be, but I'm not what I used to be. And there, right. there is real Holy Spirit change in me. And I think that's one thing that we need to be really aware of is that, you know, at certain stages in our life, the culture expects and celebrates change right so when mm -hmm. you're a young person mm -hmm. we, but then we get to a certain place where the culture sort of says you should have arrived by now or you should be the yeah. expert by now and yeah. for for us i mean thinking about your philippians text this week to be able to say no our model is 
the apostle. Well, right. And is the apostle Paul. I mean, that was such a good point you made on the walk to say, like, if the apostle freaking Paul is saying, (laughs) I have not yet arrived, I'm pressing on. If that's our model, then we Mm -hmm. ought to understand that. To say I haven't arrived, to say I'm pressing on, isn't to say I'm garbage or I'm behind Mm -hmm. or God can't do anything with me yet. Mm -hmm. It's to say, you know, Jesus Christ is, is our floor and not our ceiling that might be theologically problematic but like our our relationship with jesus christ isn't the end of our spiritual growth it's the beginning of that and that's wonderful being rooted in jesus means we will bear fruit Mm -hmm. (laughs) we Mm -hmm. will at different rates right Mm -hmm. but we should never get to a point where we think Oh, I'm done. Right. Um, and right. and I've I've come right. and now it's just my job right. to be to be a blessing to others yeah. that know. And so I do think sometimes helping people in the church say it's normal mm. and healthy mm-hmm. to be able to say, you know, where do you see growth in your life? Where do you see change in your life? Yeah. Where are you open for that? And when we stop asking that question, and I think sometimes we people are willing to ask that question after a crisis, like someone has died <laughs> or there's a divorce mm-hmm. or there's some sort mm-hmm. of but no, we should be able and willing and eager to ask that question in seasons of, of calm and goodness. And so that is what is astonishing me. What is astonishing you? Well, so similar to you, just a moment of looking at myself and seeing change, change and being uh, surprised and joyful about being a different kind of person. Uh, Last week, no, earlier this week, I was listening to, um, a Christian comedian that I followed for years. His name is Kevin Fredericks, uh, but he goes by Kev, Kev on, on stage. stage. Yes, you know Kev on stage. <laughs> I do, I do. I love Kev on stage. So and um, Mrs. Kev on stage and Mrs. Kev on stage. Yes. So I was listening to Kev on stage, and and I think he's from North Carolina. Yeah. And he's out in L.A. now, and and I call him a Christian comedian and. I don't like using Christian as, as an, an adjective. adjective. It's just a terrible adjective. And right. I should say he is a comedian who is a Christian because, you know, he's not, you know, one of those hokey, right. um, you know, did you know that baseball is in the Bible? Yeah, yeah. Genesis 1-1 says in the beginning. Oh, bah, stop, bah, 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 stop. Right? Just he's stop. not that kind of comedian, right? So um, I was listening to him and uh, he was talking about being invited to the Essence Festival. Um, and of course, Essence is that great magazine for African-American women, started in the 70s. So they have this annual festival, um, and uh, it, it's, it's really all about celebrities, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's invited to perform, and because it's such a big deal and such a huge production, sometimes performances go long, and they cut people or they Mm -hmm. cut their time sure and so his time was cut and he said (laughs) that he's seen other celebrities just lose their marbles right it's just a total insult and he said in that moment when they told me that my time was being cut he's like I was just so happy to be there I was just so grateful to be invited. If you had told me five years ago that I would, I think he was working for a bank, Mm -hmm. that I would be traveling around the world doing comedy and now performing at the Essence Festival, I would have said, no way, you know, whatever. So I was just so grateful and that it didn't bother me. And I just had one of those moments where when I was listening to someone else talk about their work and it made me reflect on this ministry life. And I thought after 21 years, I think I've finally gotten to the place where 
I'm not trying to force the church to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not losing my joy because of what the church will or won't do. Mm-hmm. And I have not always been that way. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm very future oriented. Mm-hmm. And so once I get a sense of this is the direction, mm-hmm. this is where we need to go, that I, I can really be very stubborn, very kind of hard and um, uh, break relationships with people mm-hmm. uh, just because I'm so determined to have it my way. And I finally got into the place, uh, and I realized this uh, listening to Kev on stage and having this congregational meeting that we had on Sunday, that I'm okay with what the church decides. I mean, I, I want things for them. I want to lead them in a certain direction. If they say yes, great. If they say no, I'm okay. And I don't feel the, the frustration, the mm-hmm. anger that I've felt before in ministry. So what are you thinking about? I am thinking about uh, the congregational meeting we had this past Sunday. It really wasn't a an official congregational meeting. It was a it was a conversation, a chat between. Oh, wait. By uh, that you mean you didn't have business to accomplish? Yes. It was an official congregational meeting. It God was, forbid well, we need to just yes. talk about who we are and our mission and vision. But, but, but the purpose was to have a conversation about this. Uh, past month, you know, we've been meeting in the fellowship hall, worshiping in the fellowship hall instead of our sanctuary, which swallows us up yep. as a congregation. And so we wanted to uh, create more intimacy uh, in worship. And so uh, it's just been a phenomenal month and um, uh, just so grateful for the way uh, both elders and congregation engaged on Sunday. It it was, if, if there is such a thing, um, it was a beautiful congregational meeting. Um, and I'm so grateful that the elders did not set up the conversation as, as one of deciding, you know, are we going to worship in the sanctuary or worship in the fellowship hall? Instead, we took a step back and said, well, why do we even gather for worship? Mm-hmm. And the congregation really engaged, and I'm sitting there listening and thinking, I don't, I don't know if they hear themselves because this is fantastic, and I'm, I'm, I'm scribbling notes. And uh, at the end of the meeting, I said, "Allow me to reflect back to to synthesize what I heard you say." And basically, the congregation said, "We gather for worship on Sundays because we want to encounter God." We want a real encounter with God. Now, that's phenomenal because mm-hmm. a lot of Presbyterians don't talk that way. Mm-hmm. And so when I let them know that, I was like, this... Well, a lot of Christians don't talk that way. A lot of Christians way. don't talk that way. I said, you know, this is one reason why I, I just, I love this community. I'm drawn to it. I'm excited about being their pastor. And so I just affirmed and celebrated them for that reality and... One of the great things about that is that's also the heart hunger of the people in our neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. If they're going to show up, they're going to show up because they want an encounter with God. Um, But I also had to say to them, you know, the very thing that you desire, the very thing that you say you want is the thing that you are resisting, Mm -hmm. you're afraid of. And 
the call of the Spirit right now is for us to lean into that reality of, of drawing close to God, having an encounter with God. And so that's the that's the work before us. And frankly, to me, that's super exciting. Well, that um, I think is really, I mean, it's really great. And it is, I think, worth celebrating because I think so often in congregations that are quote, fortunate enough not to go through crisis, they know they don't ever think about why are we doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And like communities like ours that have gone through transformation, I mean, we can't help but think like, it's not guaranteed that we're being here together. Why does it matter that we exist and what yeah. do we exist for? And that's just a healthy conversation well, to have. And for our community, they've become exhausted by focusing on what are we going to do? Like, mm-hmm. what new program mm-hmm. are we going to try to start? What what thing in the church are we going to try to tweak mm-hmm. to make it better so we can draw new people? It's like, we're just we're just tired of that. Well, and that's Simon Sinek's whole start with why, yes. right? And yes. I think sometimes why is a hard conversation. And I think when we ask people why do we worship, I think a lot of people don't don't know the answer. They know they should, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but but they haven't really thought about what what am I actually coming here for? And to, I mean, it really shifts everybody's expectations when you say, no, we're here to have an encounter mm-hmm. with the Lord and then to figure out, well, what does that look like and what is my what is my focus? And if I'm trying to control every single element of my experience in worship, then, then am I really trying to encounter mm. God or am I trying to produce something? And, well, and for a lot of people in our community, and they're, they're older, they've been taught for years and years that their job as believers was to show up on Sunday, sit in the pew, look forward at what's happening on the platform, Mm -hmm. take it all in and shake the pastor's hand on the way out and say, good sermon. And that was it. Yeah. And, and coming to church for a lot of times in elder generations was an identity confirmation experience. Mm -hmm, Like you show mm -hmm. up on Sunday to say, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. This is what I believe. This is how the world either does work or should work. Now let me go back into my week. And that's just not, I mean, that was never what, never what God is ever trying to do when God shows up in people's lives. It's to expand their understanding of who they are, who God is, what life is. And so we, you know, we really need to, because people who want identity conforming, uh, affirming experiences now don't go to church. They'll go to a self-help conference, they'll go to brunch, they'll go to soul cycle mm-hmm. that, yeah, may, you yeah, know, this yeah. is, yeah. So I think it really makes sense when we really know why. I mean, when we know why we're doing what we're doing, then it just helps us when we are at difficult decision points. It helps us every time to live out our values. So I, I think that's great. Um, I'm thinking a lot and we, it sort of segued there naturally on the walk and I'm not quite sure how now, <laughs> <laughs> but we're just talking, I'm thinking a lot about, um, what in AA lingo they would call stinking thinking. I mean, this all or nothing mentality that we often have that if I can't do something perfectly, why not bother it at, at all? Yeah. And I think that yeah. it came up on the walk because you were saying that you were happy that the elders were trying to get people away from what do we do next? And that so often those conversations for, you know, should we do this? The, the counter is, well, we tried that. And, yes. Right, we did it once, and it didn't quote work, That's and so exactly now right. we're out. Mm-hmm. And just to be able to say that, okay, a when we choose what we 
are doing next as a community, A, we shouldn't be choosing, we should be discerning. Absolutely. And B, the question we should be asking is not what what do we want or what will, quote, work, but what is faithful. Mm -hmm. And then to be able to say that, you know, the goal in our life with Christ is never to become perfect, right? It's never, like, we're not here to fix the church so that then people can stop having really deep and uncomfortable conversations about who they are or who God is or so that we're not here to fix the church so that you know there can be 400 people showing up for worship so that then you know the this the wisest people can just sit around the room and make good decisions for God again I mean that's not we our our vulnerability before the Lord is not a problem that we're supposed to solve but but a but a life that we are supposed to learn to find joy and deep peace in and so just this idea sometimes that um you know we are gonna do things and fail at them and quit and start over and that's just a something that we have to accept and not to say that because I tried to do this before and it didn't quote work I'm done and I'm never gonna do that again that we're we're in a process and we're never gonna get out of the process until I don't know I'm 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 assuming spiritual growth stops in the kingdom of God, but I don't really, I don't know. And I I think that that's just an interesting thing for pastors who are leading churches through transformation is to say, you know, this place that we're in right now, it isn't a punishment. Mm -hmm. This is the place where all people following after Jesus are supposed to live all the time with a deep vulnerability that I'm not in control. I'm going to do my best. I don't know what the outcome is going to be but I know that God is good and I know that God is faithful and my peace comes from that, not in what my physical eyes can see and not in whatever kind of feedback I'm getting from the culture at the moment. So, And we're tempted always to ask, when are we going to arrive? When are we going to get to that place? Whatever that place is, then we'll be happy. Then we'll be successful. Mm -hmm. Then we'll be the church we're supposed to be. There's joy along the way. Well, and I think, you know, I do remember, you know, when I got to the Grove, and it was called Hickory Grove Presbyterian at the time, and um, one of my elders at the time, who's still a member of the community, was kind of acting as treasurer, and we'd have monthly session meetings at that point, and every month he would um, stand up and say, we're going to run out of money in two years, and then, then, you know, then after a while it was, we're going to run out of money in 18 months, and then, you know, then we're going to run out of money in six months, and then... It was just six months, six months, six months, and then a year, and then, and it just, I mean, what was interesting for me is that at some point I recognized just what you're we saying, that we were never going to arrive at a place mm. where we would be so institutionally strong that we would never have to say, submit a scholarship request to the orange <laughs> curriculum people and say, hey, can we have this, you know. We've got so much. Right, like there will never be a point where we mm. say, okay, the institution is secure now, I don't have to, I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, I don't have to worry. I mean, worry isn't right. But that, that's never going to be what health looks like. That there's just a certain amount of vulnerability that is forever going to be a part of our life as a healthy Mm. congregation. And so if I'm waiting for that moment, then I'm just going to wait my life away. And the reality is that there's goodness now and there's goodness in the midst of the insecurity and there's deep, um, a deep blessing mm. in needing God to show up wow. in order to make it. And that's something that, I mean, 
some people, because of deep injustices in the world, have always known that. Mm -hmm. And other people, people like me, white people like me, um, middle class, upper middle class white people like me, haven't always known that. Mm -hmm. And so there's just a deep joy in discovering that the thing you can't learn when you have enough is that God provides. Wow. And Mm. learning that God provides gives a much deeper security than you can ever get from being successful. Mm. Um, Anyway, so... That'll preach. It it, it might. It might. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, is not super unlike what you are preaching about on Sunday. Like that segue? Hey, that was pretty good. I know. Wow. Yes, uh, Philippians 3, um, starting with verse 12, where Paul says, I haven't attained the goal, reached the goal, but I press on. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to look at if the Apostle Paul is saying this, why should we ever think that, um, you know, we, we ought to get to this place where we arrived, where we, we can stop working, and that the, the, the working, the process, there's there's joy in that. And I, I think that is the key. Like for me, even hearing you say that on the walk, I had never heard that passage in the same way. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when I think about like when I think about my prayer life or when I think mm-hmm. about my devotional life or like right now um, we're talking about neighboring. And I think when we see, oh gosh, you know, I, I, I what I tend to think is, oh gosh, I should have been doing X. Mm-hmm. I should, why mm-hmm. am I not doing Y? Why can't, you know, just automatically, you know, the culture has taught me to filter revelation through a lens of guilt and shame mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and why aren't I farther along than I am but but seeing the apostle paul unashamedly delight in growing it makes mm-hmm. me realize just because i am in a place of growing doesn't mean i'm a failure right yeah that that text from philippians 3 is one of those texts that we lift out of its context mm-hmm. and we stick on a coffee mug or t-shirt <laughs> and when you do that like i press on you turn it into this kind of, and usually there's a picture of some sport, yeah. you know, like it's some, some kind of sports illustration, right? So you turn it into a text around... Self-help. And success, yes. And so really what Paul is saying, when you put it in its context in, in the chapter, Paul is saying, because I am rooted and grounded in Christ, I am secure. And so I'm going to work so hard not to earn salvation because I but because I am saved I'm going to continue to work because Christ has made me his own and so I just have this base level security to do all I can out of out of gratitude and joy well, and also I think out of a holy expectation that if yes. Jesus is saying this is the way of life then I want to do it yes. because Jesus is trustworthy and I don't yes. need to like, you know, it, and so in a way, there's this opportunity to be delighted when you mm-hmm. discover that, oh my goodness, I've missed something before. Or here's this whole other realm okay, that I I'm just area. seeing for the first time. Yes. It's not like, yes. oh my goodness, why mm-hmm. am I not farther along? But oh my goodness, there's even more. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and I think that's just real. And it goes yeah. back to our conversation at the beginning to be able to create cultures in a church where you just normalize that no matter who you are, Mm -hmm. no matter how long you've been claiming the name of Jesus, no matter how long you've understood yourself to be a a believer, there's more, there's more. And that's a, that's not a threat. That's a promise. Sorry. Here comes an airplane. (laughs) A loud airplane. (laughs) I mean, 
Sometimes in Huntersville, we're in the flight path. You're going to edit all this out, right? Probably sure. not. <laughs> um, so I think that's really great. And it's related to... And so this Sunday will well, be in this. Can I just say one oh, more yeah, thing about Philippians 3? Well, just one thing. I think one of the things I'm going to emphasize is that there are some things that you probably won't get unless you're willing to walk the same path over the long haul. Yeah. There are some things that come that they, they just won't come instantly. And again, it, at some level, we already know this, but we don't truly know it well and we've got there's some things that you just have to keep pressing in on keep pressing on uh over the long haul and then there's there's great blessing in that Mm -hmm. and if you're looking for instant and yeah i've heard people say i tried christianity and it didn't work okay i tried this thing and it didn't work well how long did you do it uh yeah. Anyway. Well, no, and, and I think it's it's interesting because, I mean, you have these moments. I mean, it's like you always hear people talking about they say I'm an overnight success because there was one moment that things changed for me, but they don't count the 10 years that I was working when no yeah. one was watching me, right? And I think, like, somebody like Paul, we lift up his story as, like, there's this instant change when Saul became Paul on the road to Damascus. But what we aren't thinking about is that the Lord was active in Saul's life well before the Damascus road. Like the Damascus road was just the moment when Saul became aware, you know? And so I think there are moments of like just dramatic change that happens in an instant, but, but those are preceded Mm -hmm. by work that God has been doing in us when we've been unaware of it. And, And then there are moments of, just gradual change when we are aware mm-hmm, of them mm-hmm. and, and both are good. But I think, you know, for me, we live in a culture where, you know, good, fast, cheap, we often mm. pick fast and cheap. And the reality is, you know, that's not, that's not the Christian life that it's yeah. not ramen noodles, at least not all the time, yeah. that sometimes there are good things that develop over time. And it mm-hmm. comes back to the beginning of our conversation to say, we're not in it to arrive somewhere. Yeah. We're in it to be alive with Christ. And yeah. so the journey is as valuable as these mm-hmm. moments of fruitfulness or these mm-hmm. moments of mm-hmm. that feel like arriving. Um, like where you, I mean, I think that's an important thing to say to anybody in the congregation. Where you are right now is not garbage. Like yeah. who you are right now mm-hmm. is not garbage. And it's not like you're going to... the same d- for the church. Correct. Yes. Like like wh- where we are right now is not something we need to be ashamed of. Mm. It's something to be able to say that there's glory in starting where we are, yeah. starting with the past that we have yeah. as as who we really are, mm. that God delights in that. And, and I think sometimes that's a hard, you know, the culture won't teach us that. Only the gospel can teach us that. And only the gospel, which is full of stories of people really having an encounter with God, you know, in in their in very very old age, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, that's mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not a culture that thinks that old age is worthwhile at all. Like anything you have going to accomplish, you better have accomplished by the time you're forty five, or right. else you're a loser. <laughs> and that's the message of America, so but not good. the gospel. Oh my goodness, that's so good. I'm stealing that for Sunday. I mean, well, that's. 
That's good. Jesus says it's it not is. stealing. Um, I am moving second week into our series on the art of neighboring, and this week we're talking about the cost of neighboring, mm. and we're talking about um, looking at some passages from Leviticus on Deuteronomy about gleaning and just this idea that people who were incredibly blessed um, by God with material wealth were required by the covenant um, to leave um, margin and goodness for the sake of their neighbors. Um, and that scripture really clearly defines neighbor as not only um, other wealthy landowners, <laughs> but um, widow, orphan, and resident alien, and non-citizen, which is a remarkable thing for... This cultural moment, Correct. considering our... Well, immig- for this cultural moment, but also that cultural moment, right? Yes. I mean, and people, yes. I think, think like, oh, gosh, this is some sort of newfangled socialist whatever. No, this is a deeply ancient Judeo-Christian idea that the people you encounter are your neighbors mm-hmm. and that you are responsible yeah. um, for doing what you can do. You're responsible for, not for the totality of their mm-hmm. lives, but you're responsible, this mm-hmm. interconnectedness. So I, I'm excited to talk about that. Um, and, and I think it, it relates to, again, the stinking thinking stuff that sometimes we think, well, if I can't do everything, then I, I shall just, it's okay to do nothing, yeah. right? Um, and that that's not the witness of scripture and that it's messy and you don't get to be people's saviors, but you do get to be a good neighbor um, in ways that can be uncomfortable. Um, so I'm excited to talk about that. And also in the context of saying, this is just God laying out to us and to our ancestors a way of life and practices of shalom. And we need to, mm-hmm. you know, we conform to them not because we must, but because we may, because we get to. Well, if I remember scripture correctly, um, all of those times where God says, do not oppress the widow, the orphan, the stranger, I think God also says, remember yep. that you were slaves in Egypt. Right? And you were a stranger. And you were a stranger. So there is power in remembering your true story mm-hmm. and what God has done for you. And I think part of our problem, especially in this cultural moment, is the story that we tell, right? If, if, if my story is, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, then why should I give a care about your suffering when you just need to do what I did? Mm-hmm. But if my story is, I've been in that place. My people have been in that place. We've been strangers. We've been wanderers. We've been Mm -hmm. slaves. We've been oppressed. We've been this or that, and God rescued us. Well, then, uh, then why, why, how, how could I ever not play a part in your um, release from oppression? Your, um, your receiving justice and fairness and Mm -hmm. blessing. Um, Yeah. But I just really also want to emphasize the idea that like. You know, those landowners could have been more profitable yeah. had they not yeah. left, you know, yeah. not gone back for the second pass yeah. and left the edges of their field unharvested. Like, there is an actual cost to holy neighboring. And that's the point of your sermon. There is an actual There's a cost, cost to it. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I think oftentimes we think like, oh, I'll do these things as long as... 
they appear out of the oh, the, the abundance. So I don't feel the cost. Or as long it. as I can see that they'll be beneficial to yeah. me, and to be yeah. able to say, you no, know, they will be beneficial to you, but they're not free. Mm. And you just need to know that that this way of life that Jesus is setting out for us that that is wow. well in line with the covenant because God is the same, you know, for eternity, that that there is what appears to us to be a cost. Mm-hmm. It appears to us to be a sacrifice. And actually what we're investing in is our own well-being, our mm-hmm. own shalom. Wow. And so That's I good. am excited. So, yeah. That's good. So thank you so much for listening. Um, if you want to learn more about us or our churches, Yolanda was the pastor at Derrida Presbyterian Church, and you can Google it and get to their website because I think it's still under construction. (laughs) And and you can find out more about me and The Grove at thegrovecharlotte.org. And you can listen to all of our sermons. Um, Yolanda's sermons are on the Podbean Podbean. I always want to say beam, Mm -hmm. like beam me up, Scott. The Podbean (laughs) website. Just search to write a church. And our sermons at the Grove are at the Grove Charlotte podcast on iTunes if it's been updated, which I think it has. So thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.